0: Well, welcome to another edition of The Bottom Line Show. I'm Roger Marsh. Everyone wins day today here on The Bottom Line Show. Everyone's gonna win. And we've got a great book to give away today. I don't know if you enjoy satire, if you enjoy good humor, Um, I know I do. Uh, There's something about, uh, there's truth in humor. I mean, the the beautiful thing about uh, satire is if we do it right, if it is done properly, it isn't gratuitous, it isn't condescending. It isn't really hurtful. It's just sometimes it's painfully obvious. I mean, th- we if you grew up, I mean, I'm 62. And if you grew up in um, the United States watching the late night talk show hosts, the Johnny Carsons, the Jack Pars, the Steve Allens, I mean, I'm going way, way back. But even the Jay Leno's of this world, not so much David Letterman. David Letterman was kind of that bridge into that more sophomoric humor type of thing uh, if you ever want to understand his comedy, I think Norm Macdonald boils it down perfectly. Uh, the late Norm Macdonald, who I understand was a Christian later in life, but he, um, he, he said Letterman was notorious for that callback that just kept coming back and he would bring it in at just the right time. His timing on that was so good and people thought it was funny, it was kind of silly, it was kind of irreverent, but it wasn't really comedy or satire, but... When you understand what is happening in the world around us right now, sometimes we need a little satire because there are times that you just kind of scratch your head and said, am I the only one getting this? I mean, is uh, I, why is it that there are so many things that that should be fairly easy to define that just aren't? Enter a publication called the Babylon Bee. Back in 2016, I believe it was the Babylon Bee, was a couple of guys who were, you know, quite frankly, just, uh, Um, they, they started a website that was designed to do something, um, really just kind of interesting. And that was to do what, uh, publications like the Wittenberg door and others had done for years was just to create a satirical look at the world around us, but do it with a biblical worldview. So we would see, I mean, so, sometimes there are people who, especially on the progressive side of the equation, but Christians do it too. I mean, they started making fun of things we do in church. Like, why do we always say this, but we mean that? You know, everyone has that shared common experience. It doesn't quite add up, but everyone still does it anyway. And then we have a chuckle, and maybe we ask ourselves a question, why are we still doing this? But the left is just re- replete with examples of things that happen in the culture where, you know, th- this is this is okay for me, but not for thee. And when you point out the double standards, you begin to see the satire of trying to generate any kind of support. I mean, the New York Times, with a straight face two weeks ago, ran an article asking the question, why doesn't progressivism work? (laughs) Well, it doesn't work because it's based on intentions. It's based on feelings. And if you have good intentions, then th- th- that's points in your favor as far as the left is concerned, without realizing that there's a reason why we grew up with that old expression, the road to hell is paved with good intentions. Because anybody can say, this is what I want to do, you know, that whole, and, and this is the difference between motives and intentions. Your intentions are what you think you're doing. Your motives are what you're actually the underlying uh, theme behind this. So the folks at the Babylon Bee have been publishing online since 2016, and they re- wound up writing a couple of books. Uh, we've had Kyle Mann, the currently the editor-in-chief of Babylon Bee, on in the past. He talked about how to be a perfect Christian, your comprehensive guide to flawless spiritual living, which, is, of course, is a send-up of all the things that we do in the body of Christ that we think are beneficial, but they're really not. But, you know, as we're getting closer and closer to the Lord's return, there are certain things that we need to understand. And one place where the left has completely gone off the rails is gender. The idea that gender is somehow fluid. Remember, your sexuality, the way you express yourself sexually to the left, is etched in stone. As long as you land on the right squares, the right places that they want you to land on. Have you noticed that? They'll tell young people, you know what, if you're born and uh, you live in a certain area or whatever, and, and you have these feelings, you should act upon your feelings to see which ones are the trustworthy ones. And, you know, if, if you if you are, you know, you, maybe you've tried going out, you're a boy, and you've tried going out with girls, and um, maybe you should try going out with a boy. And then you go out with a boy and all of a sudden it's, okay, see, you're gay. You, know, you have to stay that way. That's the way you really are. That's the way you really are, etched in stone. That's how the left works. Think I'm kidding? Talk to people like Ann Edward of Restored Hope Network or Joe Dallas of Genesis Biblical Counseling or Denise Schick or any, Stephen Black, for used to be First Stone Ministries, anybody who had unwanted same-sex attraction or had people in their world who uh, went through gender dysphoria. In Denise Schick's case, her dad, when she was nine years old, came home one day and said, I want to be a woman. And uh, she said, here... What teenage girl dreams of saying the ideal relationship with her father is they're fighting for the same clothes and the same boys? I mean, it's just, it's not right. But to leftists, gender is fluid and your sexuality is etched in stone. Where we in the body of Christ understand that for Christians, if you are a Christian who understands science, and a biblical worldview. You understand that the Word of God says that God, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and by the time you get to the end of Genesis 1, God is creating mankind in his image, or in their image, because of the Trinity. There's a whole different conversation about what that means, and that, that's for another discussion. A group of pastors are kind of looking at parts of the Psalms and saying, well, what about these other beings, these other sons of God? That, that's a whole different conversation, but for now, Let's understand that the Trinity, God cre- the Father creates through God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit helps keep it all together. And God created male and female. Male and female, he created them, which is a direct reference to the fact that Adam has XY chromosome. And then when Eve comes along, she's XX, and they're the perfect complement. The husband and wife together in a perfect marriage relationship is the ultimate expression of God's love for us and Christ and the church. But to the left, there are 73 different genders But then there's, you know, homosexuality where you see a lot of men acting like women and women acting like men. But again, if you look at the standard, you look at a guy who is more effeminate and say that's an effeminate man. Again, two genders, masculine and feminine. Or maybe you see a woman who's a little more masculine and you say that's a more masculine woman. But again, those are the two genders. There really aren't any differences. Well, sometimes when you're trying to explain these differences to people, they just don't get it. So one of the better ways, perhaps, or maybe one of the more effective ways to communicate that is to um, use a little humor and use a little satire. And so from the satirical minds of the Babylon Bee, their latest edition, the brand new publication that just came out a couple weeks ago, it's called the Babylon Bee Guide to Gender. The subtitle is the comprehensive handbook to men and women and millions of new genders that we just made up. There's a link for the book up at TheBottomLineShow.com. Now, having a little bit of fun with that, but understanding, of course, that you're going to read this and you're going to look at, well, you're going to look at this from a whole different dimension because at the core of the conversation, there are a, a huge swath of Americans who are mistaken, badly mistaken, that when it comes to... Uh, gender dysphoria, they try to give into it and acknowledge and uphold people who have this gender dysphoria instead of lovingly coming alongside and saying, you know, I mean, there's there's a gracious and gentle and respectful way to say you're wrong. But what leftists do and the reason why the New York Times article was so interesting, how come progressivism doesn't work? It doesn't work because it's filled with lies if there were truth in progressivism, everybody would be more progressive. But the, the lie of progressivism is that we can reinvent things to be, we could take structural things that are, that are foundational in our world and we can blow them up. We can mold them and shape them to any way we want to. And then we could take things that are kind of transitional and transactional and make them etched in stone. Using the example of gender, for example, um, when they talk about gender being fluid, and people who you know have sexual preferences that being etched in stone, ask yourself this question: When you were younger and you were attracted to a member of the opposite sex, are you still attracted to that person or that kind of person that way? Chances are you aren't. Your first crush didn't set the tone for everything for you. That part was kind of fluid. You know, if you're a guy, what kind of girls do you like? If you're a girl, what kind of guys do you like? That's kind of fluid. What isn't fluid is the way you were made, either male or female, and that you are attracted to the opposite sex because God made us that way. That's hardwired into us. We're not naturally wired to be attracted to members of the same sex. If we are attracted to members of the same sex sexually, something happened. Something moved you in a different direction, a different dimension. Kyle Mann is the editor-in-chief of the Babylon Bee, and he's going to join me on the other side of this break uh, for this conversation about the brand new book, The Babylon Bee Guide to Gender, the comprehensive handbook for men, women, and millions of new genders that we just made up. There's a link for the book up at thebottomlineshow.com. I'll talk with Kyle coming up next as The Bottom Line continues. What is a woman? What is a man? Why is there so much gender confusion in the world right now? Well, today here on The Bottom Line Show, we're going to answer that question, but we're going to do it in a very unique style. Uh, Kyle Mann is with us. He's the editor-in-chief of The Babylon Bee. And if you have not read The Babylon Bee at all online, I highly commend it. This is a site that is ostensibly a satire site, but unfortunately does much more truth-telling than perhaps they even thought they could. Um from the satirical minds of the Babylon Bee, they've written a brand new book called The Babylon Bee Guide to Gender. And uh, we've got a link for this book up at thebottomlineshow.com. So grateful to have a moment with Kyle Mann to talk about it. Kyle, welcome to The Bottom Line Show. Thanks so much for having me. Uh, the Your stories just write themselves these days, don't they? I mean... I wish, man. But yeah, yeah very, <laughs> very,
1: uh, very close to that. It actually, it's hard to write satire. Mm-hmm. Nowadays, because you got to write things that are crazier than whatever the Democrats are currently doing or whatever's <laughs>
0: going on in the actual world. They certainly don't make it easy on themselves, that's for sure. I mean, what, what you did here, though, I mean, obviously, this is a big issue. There are a lot of kids who are having experiencing gender confusion. There are some that are, I think, read something like 19,000 kids last year had gender reassignment surgery or some kind of uh, procedure to effectively mutilate their bodies. And those of us who are parents and grandparents kind of stand back and say, what in the ever-loving? How did we get to this point? Well, I'm not going to get down to the how do we get to this point, but rather, how do you guys approach the issue? Because this it seems to be something that on the left, the truly woke say, well, gender is whatever it is, and you can't really define it. But you guys wanted to take kind of a satirical swipe at it, and it really is very helpful. Talk about how you, the process that was getting this together.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, when you're writing humor about serious topics, it's kind of a funny thing. There's a line you have to walk where ultimately as humorists, we want to make people laugh. You know, we want to bring some joy to people's days. We want to bring light to the darkness. Um, a lot of times we get really stressed out about topics, uh, that are really serious, you know, and, uh, and I think as Christians and as conservatives, we, you know, we believe that there, that humor is a good thing that, uh, that God gave to us that, um, we can use to help us get through some of these difficult times. Um, you look at some of the most horrible times in human history and humans were still making jokes. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So that's, that's why humor is so important for us, um, and it also kind of functions as this tool that exposes and mocks really bad ideas, and that's what we want to do at the Babylon Bee: is take any ideas that are bad and make them look ridiculous. Because if we can make them look ridiculous, the kids aren't going to buy into it as much, you know. Yeah. The, the adults aren't going to buy into it as much. You really want to mock bad ideas to make them look, to make them look stupid, and
0: <laughs> and that was kind of the fun that we had here in the Babylon Bee guide to gender. I'll bet. This book is up at thebottomlineshow.com. It made its debut on Amazon in the 200s, and it's moving on its way up because that means so many people are taking a look at it. Some people will look at this and find a certain measure of humor, but some people really are going to, I mean, if if they don't know all 473 genders, they are going to have come up with a uh, a way of figuring this out. And I said that tongue planted firmly in cheek. We, we're living in some crazy times that sometimes we just need a kind of a humorous look at what's happening to, you know, to how do you guys balance? You know, it would be real, like you said, mocking bad ideas really is kind of the essence of sat- good satire in the first place. But as Christians, you know, we want to be God honoring. We want to be affirming. We want to be uplifting. We want to be truth telling. So, you know, how do you get to the point where you, you either turn the snark up a little bit or back off a little bit?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, a lot of it depends on the topic that you're talking about. You know, like we write a lot of jokes about church worship leaders and uh, mm-hmm. all the silly things that they do and everything that, uh, All the crazy stuff that goes on in church, but we do that in a very kind of self-reflective, fun, Mm -hmm. lighthearted way where we're trying to point out that the church is a good thing, you know, and uh, the church is a blessing and, you know, God and the Bible and Christ and all uh, and, and the message of salvation through the gospel are very important things. And yet we as humans have distorted a lot of those things. And so we can have some fun laughing at our own uh failures to live up to those things. So I think a lot of it has to depend uh, a lot of it depends on the topic that you're talking about. So if you if you're addressing a serious topic, sometimes you do have to weave into more brutal mockery. For instance, if we make it, if we write a joke about abortion, it's never going to be a lighthearted joke that's right. just there to make you laugh. Mm-hmm. You know, if we write a joke about abortion, we're going to go right for the jugular um because to us that's such a serious such a serious issue. So a lot of it depends on the topic, and and the the balance comes from covering a wide range of topics. You know, we'll, we'll cover abortion. We did this book on gender, and then we have your silly articles about husbands and wives and everyday life and all of that stuff. So I think it's important for us to find humor in all aspects of life, and that we find some kind of balance
0: uh, that way. Kyle Kyle Mann is with me today here on the bottom line, editor in chief of the Babylon Bee. And uh, the brand new Babylon Bee book is up at thebottomlineshow.com. It's called the Babylon Bee Guide to Gender. It's the comprehensive handbook to men, women, and millions of new genders that we just made up. I mean, that they see there that therein lies the the humor part where you look at that and say, well, there aren't any new genders. There are two genders, and you call them the OG genders. Um, <laughs> but I but I love the fact that you do that because th- that made us both smile. Uh, made it got brought a chuckle. But it does remind us, hey, you know, it's okay. There are, I mean, this is in the beginning, God created the heavens of the earth, God created male and female in his image and saw that it was good. And everything else is just insanity. Do you find yourself at times, Kyle, looking at some of the things that are happening in the world? You talk about, you know, picking the, the jokes, you know, that you're writing and saying, okay, this is something that a lot of people are talking about right now. So we really need to zero in on this part of this issue, this discussion.
1: Yeah, and that's, you know, the, the news is great for us as satirists, because the new the 24-7 news cycle, there's always something to make fun of. Um, you know, you can only write so many jokes about worship leaders wearing flannel shirts or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> but every new day brings brings new jokes for us to laugh at. But I think it's important for the Christian, because I think it's important for us to see um, the things that the world is getting super stressed out about. Like, World War III is about to happen, or, mm-hmm. you know, the Western civilization is about to collapse. And us as Christians can say, hey, we believe in the God who's in charge of history. So we can kind of laugh about these things and find humor in in it, knowing that ultimately it's not eternal and it's Mm -hmm. not ultimate for us.
0: Yeah, that's good news. Uh, The Babylon Bee Guide to Gender is up at TheBottomLineShow.com. Kyle Mann's with us to talk about it. He's the editor-in-chief of the Babylon Bee. For those who may not, I mean, for the three or four people who listen to our program who might not have heard of the Babylon Bee where did this start? Where did the ideas come from? And at what point? I mean, have you had to fight off hostile takeovers, corporate buyouts, you know, that type of stuff? I mean, you guys seem to have stayed pretty true to the calling that God placed in front of you all those many years ago.
1: Yeah, I mean, if anybody wants to buy us out, one billion dollars, and we will absolutely. <laughs> so, uh, no, we the battle of Views was founded in March, 2016. And it was this, the idea was we could take satire done in the style of the onion or whatever where you have that, sure. that really succinct little headline that just makes a punchy, snarky commentary on the news. And what we could use it, do it from a biblical perspective, from a Christian worldview. And uh, it was founded then I started writing for them right around that time. And it just blew up in popularity. Um, and I took over as the editor in chief a couple years later, but yeah, we've seen it blow up. We've, we've really enjoyed how, um, enjoyed seeing how it's expanded beyond the Christian audience and conservatives started to share it. Even, even conservatives that aren't necessarily Christian saying, Hey, you know what? These guys are Christian, but they're funny. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You know, there's always a there was always a little bit of surprise there. Uh, But yeah, we've, we've fought off fact checks and, And uh, attacks from big tech and uh, attacks from everyone from Facebook and Snopes and to USA Today and the New York Times and CNN and all all kinds of different attacks
0: that have come our way and uh, censorship and all of that. This book is up at TheBottomLineShow.com. It made its debut on Amazon in the 200s and it's moving on its way up. More to come in just a moment as The Bottom Line continues.
2: When you were in an accident, Stephanie Cover of Cover Law is the only personal injury attorney you need. Stephanie talks to victims all the time who wish they would have signed with her first. Unfortunately, once you've signed a retainer with a different attorney, Stephanie can't represent you. So it's crucial to have Stephanie's number handy now and make the smart call the first time. Stephanie is the right attorney to represent your personal injury claim, specifically because she worked for insurance companies for 20 years, so she knows the best questions to ask and when. Stephanie knows when things don't sound accurate, and she knows when she's being deceived. Stephanie is a Christian, and telling the truth is vital, so she holds professionals to that standard, too. Stephanie's unique blend of skill, expertise, and compassion get you real results. Bookmark Stephanie's website now so you don't have regrets, and pass it on to your friends and relatives who will need it. Just go to kbrightradio.com slash today to set up a free consultation. That's kbrightradio.com slash C-O-V-E-R.
0: Welcome back to this Everyone Wednesday edition of the Bottom Line Show. I'm Roger Marsh, and everyone wins. Anytime the Babylon Bee is doing what they're doing, uh, everybody wins. It's, just, it's remarkable to see how many people have benefited from this, uh, this site that started as a, a satire website. And it gets to the point now where there's actually another site called Not the Bee, which is just straight ahead news reporting. But the problem that a lot of people on the left are finding with sites like the Babylon Bee is that the satire is based in, I mean, there's truth based in all humor or there's humor, humor comes from truth. Uh, That's the reason why we all know it's funny. We have to kind of chuckle and say, okay, I get it. And when that happens in the body of Christ, it is not easy to do because Sometimes you can wind up offending some people or sometimes you kind of call yourself out on some of your own ignorance. When the Babylon Bee launched in 2016, I found it refreshing because the number of people who were benefiting from this type of uh, you know, teaching, if you will, uh, was, it was staggering. I mean, just, it was so very, very popular. I remember being a college student and reading a publication called The Wittenberg Door, which was kind of interesting because I think the, the thought was, that these collegiates who were putting this uh, uh, website together uh, did so in the same way that, uh, you know, the thought was, well, just like Martin Luther had those 95 theses, he nailed them to the door at the church at Wittenberg. um, We're going to be that same, you know, uh, clarion wake-up call, if you will, to the church. And I don't think they were successful in all honesty. I mean, it was kind of funny. It was kind of satirical. But sometimes when you tell a joke or use humor to kind of get a point across, you wind up exposing your own biases. Um, That's why I think that it's remarkable that the Babylon Bee has been able to do what they do. And even when the last time Kyle Mann was on with us, we talked about the book that they had written a couple of years back called How to Be a Perfect Christian, Your Comprehensive Guide to Flawless Spiritual Living. Because at the core of what the Bee does, it's, hey, brothers and sisters, yeah, we're going to have a good chuckle about some of the idiosyncrasies of our faith here in the Western U.S., But at the same time, let's not forget that ultimately the goal is to preach Christ and preach him crucified and glorified. So this brand new book from the Babylon Bee, which I am thrilled that we're giving away today here on Everyone Wednesday because we have three copies of it. It's called The Babylon Bee Guide to Gender. The comprehensive handbook, they say, no air quotes necessary, for men, women, and millions of new genders that we just made up. There's a link for the book up at thebottomlineshow.com if you'd like to get a better handle on the progressive arguments in favor of transgenderism, why they aren't biblical, but then how we as Christians can have a resource and some messaging to be able to share with people outside of our faith or people inside. You have well-meaning people at your church. People in your family who will say, hey, you know, I used to be on the fence about this, but now there's this guy at work who uh, dresses like a girl and is in transition. And and I realized that maybe I, I was getting this wrong. Don't let the title fool you. The Babylon Bee Guide to Gender is a fun book, no question about it, because it's got a little bit of sarcastic bite to it. And I believe that Jesus used sarcasm when it was appropriate. But typically, his sarcasm was aimed at the Pharisees. You know, woe to you, you blind guys, you Pharisees, you, you know, uh, strain a gnat and swallow a camel. You're so, uh, you're, you're tithing down to the nth degree of mint and cumin, but you're missing the glorious riches that God has for his children and for those who engage in that and participate in that, you know, as well. So, I mean, here's the the thing we got, well, let's give away the books first. It's everyone Wednesday. We've got three copies of the Babylon Bee Guide to Gender, 800-227-5278, 227 5278 800 227 5278 is the number to get you through to the bottom line. If this whole conversation about gender dysphoria has gotten to be a bit much for you, this book is a bit of a respite because it will give you a chance to kind of shake your head and say, Oh my goodness. But it also brings up some points about how we in the body of Christ can do the most effective job possible in sharing the good news of the gospel. And the good news is. If you've ever met somebody who had gender dysphoria, and I've met a few, uh, just even in the past few years, who wrestled with the identity that they thought they might have been born in the wrong body, that they might be, you know, my body and my birth certificate says male, but I sure feel like a female or the other way around. One of the most compassionate things we can do is to love that person where they are, but love them enough not to leave them in that condition because we believe, according to scripture, That God did not create people with that kind of confusion. We believe that God did not create people to live in that state of chaos. But we can lovingly and graciously come alongside people who are wrestling with this as opposed to loudly and bullhornedly do so. I I, I really firmly believe that. There's, quite frankly, I believe more strength in showing up at an abortion clinic, for example, and offering to pray with people and getting to know the people who work there and getting to know the people who have been coming, who might be repeat customers, rather than screaming at them and holding up signs that say, you're a killer and blah, blah, blah. I mean, how did God woo and win you into the kingdom? It certainly wasn't by saying, hey, Roger, your sin's despicable. It's disgusting. Your righteousness is like filthy rags. Get your butt over here now and give your heart to me because otherwise you're going to hell. And yet, you know what's interesting about that? Isn't that the way we sometimes present the gospel to our neighbors and friends? Let's be firm in faith, but let's let the good news be good. Uh, the Babylon Bee Guide to Gender is our giveaway today here on Everyone Wednesday. 800 227 5278. 800 227 5278. 800 227 5278 is the number to get you through to the bottom line on the other side of this break. Uh, we're going to hear from more from my conversation with Kyle Mann, the editor-in-chief of The Babylon B. It's coming up next as The Bottom Line continues. You can protect against market volatility without investing all your money into bonds. Wilson Financial has simply better alternatives.
3: The last 12 months, there has been almost $1.7 invested in investment-grade bonds. This move to safety locks up money for a long time of guaranteed low returns. Why? Market volatility.
0: Call 800-696-9970, 800-696-9970, or visit kbrightradio.com slash Wilson Financial and ask about Dennis Wilson's exclusive real estate-backed 6% investment account. Wilson Financial Services, for simply better alternatives. Kyle Mann is with us today here on The Bottom Line, the editor-in-chief of The Babylon B. The Babylon B Guide to Gender is now out and it's up at thebottomlineshow.com. Have there been many attacks from inside? I mean, with regard to the church, like has the Southern Baptist Convention ever come after you? I mean, I'm just using them as an example of a large, well-known Christian organization that might say, hey, those jokes to you are getting a little too close to home for us. Uh,
1: we see some attacks from some Christian publications. I don't think Christianity today likes us very much.
0: Um- <laughs> <laughs> they, don't, they don't like themselves very much. So I mean, uh, I I'm not, not surprised, yeah.
1: I guess not. But uh, yeah, there's there's definitely been some pushback from like, Mainline evangelicals, all the way over to far left uh, progressive Christians, that right from the beginning, the progressive Christian wing of Twitter was very upset with us, <laughs> you know, and they were sharing the church jokes, and then we would do one about abortion, and they're like, "Wait a minute, these guys are bigots," you know. So <laughs>
0: <laughs> we saw that pretty early on. Oh my goodness, the Babylon Bee guide to gender is very. I think it's very helpful. Obviously, there's there's satire. That's the heart of what they do. Uh, But the idea that, you know, it's put, it's presented in a way that's very humorous, but it's also, I'll, uh, one of the guys who was the uh, co-creator of the VeggieTales franchise, and I was having a a conversation with him this probably 10, 15 years ago, he said one of the biggest mistakes that they made, made when they started VeggieTales was that they mistook where the audience was spiritually in terms of, they saw this as being kind of a supplement because everybody understood the gag, they were just doing it with puppets. And he said, we didn't realize we were becoming like the main course for a lot of people. (laughs) Are you? And that was because that was not the point at all. We are not, you know, this is this is not Sesame Street where you're learning how to speak English. I mean, this is, you know, the idea was you knew all these stories. And so we could have a little fun with them with vegetables and it would be no big deal. Do you? Hear from people. I mean, are 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 you becoming? Are you concerned at all that somebody might say, "Oh, yeah, I don't really go to church because I read the Babylon Bee."
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, th- I'm here to, today to announce the Church of the Babylon Bee, and I am the head. No, I. Uh, I <laughs> my hope is that what satire can do is it can really help cut away a lot of the traditions that have built up over the years that um, are extra biblical. You know, that aren't fo- uh, founded on the Word of God. Um, And we can make fun of those things and have some lighthearted fun with some of the silly things we do in church. But that way we kind of instill this endearing feeling towards the church. And we push people in that direction. Like, I, you know, we're sharing, we're sharing jokes on Twitter that are um, featuring Bible characters and, and Bible accounts that a lot of people in our audience have never heard of before, you know, Mm -hmm. (laughs) and I always think that's cool that we're reaching some people with that message. Um, But yeah, if anybody's reading the Babylon Bee instead of going to church, I would say they should probably uh, go to church,
0: but (laughs) (laughs) I go to
1: church just to get material for the Babylon Bee Mm -hmm. personally.
0: Yeah, well, I, I'm sure you find lots of it. Um, I, I, t- I I do appreciate the fact that part of this book includes our good friend Kevin Sorbo, who's been a regular on the Bottom Line show. Did you put this in and say, "Hey, Kevin, what do you think?" D- where do you get a quote like that from somebody like that, especially with the long wavy hair Hercules version of Kevin Sorbo that makes his appearance in this book?
1: Yeah, we emailed him, and you know, Kevin, he's a he's a boisterous personality. You know, we're like, "Hey, uh, you want to endorse our book?" He's like, "I don't even need to read it; just." I'll praise whatever you guys put out. Or, no, Kevin, we need you to read the book. You know, we yeah, sent it to um, him, and then, uh, and then we got the quote back. So,
0: Oh, I love that. That's, that's <laughs> fun. Have, what, what kind of a celebrity following do you have? I mean, let's drop some names here. Who are, who are some of the people who really do like the Babylon Bee that we would go, yeah, that makes sense. I could see where they were, because <laughs> I'm always looking for the surprise. You know, who is the person that, uh, you know, does Michael Youssef like the Babylon Bee or something like that? I mean, who are, who are the celebrity pastors that really are in your corner? Yeah,
1: we we get a little bit of that, like when we when we post an article that's uh, making fun of kind of like a niche Christian celebrity, and then mm-hmm. you get that. I mean, I say niche, but to the wider world, it's a little bit of a niche. But um, for us, it's like, wow, this person commented on our article. We we did an article about Keith and Kristen Getty, mm-hmm. um, you know, making fun of their songwriting or something, and then they wrote a song uh, based on the article and oh, released I love it. it. You Um, know, we were like, what? And for me, that was like, (laughs) that was the top of the world. I think Jeremy Camp commented on our article about him, you know? Uh So there's that kind of stuff that always, very early on in the Babylonians' life, we did a joke about Left Behind. Mm-hmm. Um, that the uh, thrift stores were no longer accepting donations of left behind books because <laughs> there's too many of them in the thrift stores. And Jerry B. <laughs> Jenkins commented on the article.
0: <laughs> oh wow! Oh, how fun! <laughs> so how fun. we always see those are fun moments for us. Well, I guess the Babylon Bee Guide to the Chosen will be coming up uh, yeah. sometime soon.
1: We make fun of those guys too, and we you know we'll get messages from ah uh, from Dallas, you know, saying, "Hey guys, stop making fun of me." And <laughs> yeah, it's all, all in good fun.
0: <laughs> That's great. Uh, Kyle Mann is with us today here on The Bottom Line, the editor-in-chief of The Babylon B. The Babylon B Guide to Gender is now out, and it's up at thebottomlineshow.com. A couple minutes left in our conversation, Kyle. What What is your... I mean, obviously, when you write something, whether it's for the site, whether it's a book, and you've got so many great books, we'll link all those up as well, You uh, you obviously have a goal in mind. It's to have some fun, obviously, to make a small profit. But... What were your hope what were you hoping to accomplish in you know pushing the needle on the conversation here? Who were you trying to reach specifically?
1: The Babylon Bee guides and a lot of the the visual Babylon Bee books we do, like our best of collection and all that, you know th- there's an element where you're you're not really targeting people who are going to who are like reading scholarly books. I'm like, I want to sit down and learn more about the topic of gender. So I'm going to read this right. Right. This book that has all these colorful stick figures in it. Sure. Uh, a lot of it is, uh, you know, we'll we'll hear that people will buy it, buy one of our Babylon Bee guides and they'll toss it on the coffee table, you know, and then friends come over and start flipping through it. And and then it becomes a, a talking point in the conversation, you know, and uh, and that's always fun to hear when people are doing that. I think when we released our Babylon Bee guide to wokeness, Sean McDowell told us that he used it in his class. <laughs> he used it to teach his college students about wokeness in one of their worldview courses, you know. And it's like, what? We're just making jokes, but there's some truth to when you're doing parody and you're doing satire, you are mm-hmm. pointing at a truth, you know. So I think, I think you know, it's primarily targeted at Babylon Bee readers and Babylon Bee, Babylon Bee, uh, fans to uh, to help us laugh at these ideas, but it does help you start to think more deeply about these things and. Hopefully, because the jokes are lighthearted and there's a lot of fun pictures and stick figures and all that, yeah. you'll get some. Uh, you'll get some people that maybe are undecided on this issue
0: to read some of this stuff too. Well, if you can get Sean McDowell to sm- after the battle, I mean, he's, pretty, <laughs> he's a pretty serious. Guy. Yeah. Kyle Van, chief of the Babylon B, the brand new book Babylon B Guide to Gender is up at thebottomlineshow.com. Two thumbs way up. Bottomline Show, uh, we love Babylon B. This is a very helpful resource. It's fun, but I mentioned like the. Like the great late night comedians, I can't speak for the, the new guys who are on TV because the older ones had a lot more truth and a lot, you know, reality based on it wasn't spun. Do you ever get in there the impression that people are saying, Oh, these guys are right wing nut jobs and I'm gonna dismiss them out of hand, or do you have more of a broad appeal with regard to people of different value sets who think, Yeah, that's funny?
1: When I talk to people personally one on one, I get a lot of um, the people that disagree with us, you know, liberals, atheists, um, you know, people on the left and they're that laugh at the jokes, you know, and people I know personally as friends that I disagree with, enjoy the Babylon beat and, uh, maybe they don't love the jokes that are targeted at them all the time, you know, but they kind of see what we're doing, that there's this semi-balanced thing. That's making fun of everyday life as well as politics and, and bringing some religion to it and being light, lighthearted and self-deprecating. Um so we do see we do see that we do see people like that obviously there's people like in the entertainment industry that would never associate themselves with us because their whole career would be over. <laughs> right, right, you know, right? So there's probably a lot of closeted Babylon Bee fans out there that
0: just aren't allowed to say it. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what, if the, if the sales of this book here on day one are any indication, uh, uh, there's lots of them. And uh, maybe we'll do the Babylon Bee Guide to coming out of the closet as a Babylon Bee fan. I mean, <laughs> at some point, you never can tell. Kyle, man, it's been a pleasure to get spend some time with you. I know it's a busy time with the release of the book and everything, but God's richest blessings to you and your team as you continue to advance the good news and the truth of the kingdom in the ways that God has called you to do it. This is your lane and you guys run a great race and we support you all the way. The Babylon B Guide to Gender is up at thebottomlineshow.com. Kyle Mann, welcome and thank you for being with us today here on the Bottom Line Show. Thank you so much. What a great resource, a powerful one at that. And I commend Kyle Mann and his team for doing the due diligence to write stuff that is really funny. I mean, it's true, actual satire. And yet to point out to us in the body of Christ, the idiosyncrasies, the inconsistencies of what the church has to deal with in the world, but then also provide some powerful and helpful solutions for that as well. Again, the book is called The Babylon Bee Guide to Gender. You know, that's going to go sideways, isn't it? Uh, The Babylon Bee Guide to Gender, uh, the comprehensive handbook to men, women, and millions of new genders that we just made up. There's a link for the book up at thebottomlineshow.com. It's everyone Wednesday, and we have not one, not two, but three copies of the Babylon Bee Guide to Gender to give away. Give Crystal a call now at 800-227-5278, 800-227-5278, 227 5278 is the number to get you through to the bottom line. Again, three copies of this outstanding resource to share, 800-227-5278, 800-227-5278. the number to get you through to the bottom line. On the other side of this break, we're gonna do a little analysis, balance and clarity with regard to an issue that if you try to use the talking points of the media and the major political parties, you're bound to get it wrong because there's no way to get it right based on the little bitty sliver of information that they give you. The issue of immigration is a big one. And in the United States of America in particular, we have a very difficult time getting immigration right. However, there is good news. There's good news that a a judge has actually struck down a very controversial law that some say leaves a lot of young adults in limbo, but I say says good because what you did was you said you were creating a pathway to citizenship and all you did was create not even a cul-de-sac, but a dead end. Yeah, we're talking about DACA and why, a revised DACA program has been struck down, and, well, should we as Christians enter into the fray in this conversation? I say yes, and I'll tell you why coming up next as The Bottom Line continues. Well, we have some good news from our friends at Preborn, and that is that we have a match in place that you've got to take advantage of right now. I call it the 15 by the 15th campaign. Uh, an anonymous listener uh, who listens to the Bottom Line Show here in Southern California has put up a match for Preborn. Uh, he, this listener has donated $15,000, which is the cost of $1. Uh, ultrasound machine in a preborn clinic and said, Hey, I'll put this up as a match. Let's get bother bottom line listeners involved to make donations, large or small. And once we get to another 15000 then we can give the whole amount to preborn and get two. Uh, ultrasound machines in preborn clinics here in Southern California. So what do you say? We're a couple hundred dollars in on this match. I know there's a bottom line listener right now who can make a $500 or a $1,000 donation, maybe even a $2,500, knowing that it's A, tax-deductible, and B, going to be matched dollar for dollar to get another ultrasound machine in that will save babies' lives. Call 833-850-BABY, 833-850-2229, or you can make a donation online. It's really easy. When you go to kbrightradio.com, or you can go to my website, rogermarsh.com, and click on the preborn banner there. Let's save lives through preborn. $15,000 by the 15th of October, we can do this. My thanks again to Kyle Mann, the editor in chief of the Babylon Bee. Great to get some time with Kyle. And of course, if you uh, liked the radio version or the audio podcast version that you listened to either to in real time on our terrestrial radio stations or the audio podcast, Kyle has a cool little studio too at the Babylon Bee and we did video as well. We had the Zoom cameras rolling so you get to see me and you can see Kyle and their set. It's really great. I mean, we've had some good video this week. Yesterday, Daniel Kennedy at Oasis of Hope. I felt like we were, we were doing the thing. I'm here in the Bottom Line Show studios, and Daniel's on the set at Oasis of Hope Ministry. And it was like, hey, today on the morning show, it's seven past the hour. Get your cup of coffee. We'll check traffic first. But, you know, I felt, I felt like we were on some local morning show. They were really good. But check out the video at myhopenow.com of my conversation with Kyle Mann, the editor-in-chief of The Babylon Bee. Our Everyone Wednesday giveaway this week is the Babylon Bee's book called The Babylon Bee Guide to Gender, the comprehensive handbook to men, women, and millions of new genders that we just made up. And we have a link for that book up at thebottomlineshow.com. Crystal has not one, not two, but three copies of the book to give away. 800-227-5278, 800-227-5278, 800-227-5278 is the number to get you through to the bottom line. Before the break, I mentioned that we had a ruling in a DACA case, and it's a judge in Texas who has declared that the revised version of the DACA program is illegal. DACA is an acrostic for deferred action for childhood arrivals. You remember back during the presidential campaign, I think it was in 2012, that President Obama, then running for re-election, said he wanted to do something to help. Uh, they had the DREAM Act, and there was all sorts of furor caused over the fact that uh, there's a, a real immigration crisis here in the u.s and it goes something like this there are a lot of people who come to the united states and immigrate legally from all over the world and we love that because that's what makes america great right is people coming here legally filling out the paperwork having their stuff together they can prove who they are they wind up, at maybe they got a relative they're going to live with. I remember one time being at a conference in St. Louis, landed late into the evening. And my uh, taxi driver, because this was, I wasn't thinking Uber back then. I don't know if Uber was around in 2010. Maybe it was. But <clears throat> I still took the uh, the cab. And this guy, wonderful Christian man from Ethiopia. He had uh, won a, an immigration lottery. And he won and... knew to enter the lottery because his sister had won the year before. Now, what are the odds, right? They do the whole thing with the ping pong balls and the numbers. They don't give that many people a chance to legally immigrate. But he had been part of a Lutheran church there. The Lutheran church in St. Louis is very strong. Sister had found a home, made a home, had a family, brother came. And so this guy is, you know, it's hot. It's the middle of June. It's, uh, you know, summertime. St. Louis heat is not pretty. And this guy is just, he's the happiest man you've ever met because he loved being in the United States. Now, he had been in the United States long enough to go through the green card visa program and then to eventually become a naturalized citizen. But he had to go through some hoops to get there. You may, like I, look at the immigration situation and look at it and say, this is, cr- this is crazy. It doesn't, it almost makes as much sense as the gender dysphoria. Here's what I mean by that. A couple of million people immigrate to the United States from Central and South America legally every year. And another million or so show up here illegally. The left says immigrant equals my friend equals vote equals government should take care of them. The conservative asks the question, how'd you get here? And I mean that most sincerely, how did you arrive? For the people on the left who say, oh, everyone's here seeking political asylum. That's not true, number one. And number two, speaking of this gender dysphoria issue, like we talked about in the Babylon Bee book, because of the Biden administration's redefinition of Title IX and their kind of lax policies on immigration, you do run the risk potentially of seeing more and more young people coming into this country illegally. But then when they seek asylum, they're not gonna say, well, my nation's in ruins. That was kind of weird We you had, say, a couple hundred thousand people come from Nicaragua. Half of them came legally and the other half said, I had to flee my homeland because there's political unrest here. My logical brain says, well, wait, if you had to flee your homeland, what about these other couple hundred thousand people? Did they have to flee their homeland? Because somehow they came from the same place you did. And when they came in, they came through the, I I'll call it Ellis Island. They came in through the proper channels, had the paperwork registered with the Department of Homeland Security, had a court appointment hearing to get the green cards going, and they got that going, and now they're in line to become citizens, to become naturalized. So how come they can do it? But you, it's, it's, it's kind of like saying, sorry, I'm late. Uh, there was a really bad rainstorm near my house, so that's why my head's all wet, and it was hard to drive. And then your brother, who lives in the same house, shows up totally dry. You left the same house at the same time and says there was no rainstorm. I mean, maybe that's an oversimplification. But I understand, too, that DACA, the Deferred Action for Childhood Arrivals, was geared toward the children of people who came to the United States illegally. And the whole, the key phrase is, through no fault of their own. Mom and dad smuggled themselves in here illegally, but their two-year-old and three-year-old son and daughter, respectively, how are they going to know? They didn't know they came here illegally. As a matter of fact, they grew up with all their friends. No one ever discussed immigration. Now they're getting ready to graduate from high school and they're finding out, hey, I can't register to vote. I can't get a driver's license. And so they say, let's go to California where they give that to anybody. Well, DACA was the brainchild of President Obama. And the idea was to say, look, if you are here as someone who came as a a childhood arrival who came with a parent or with a guardian. Hundreds of thousands of illegal immigrants were brought to the U.S. as children, and they were given a two-year renewable shield from deportation. Translation, the Obama administration and Democrats on the whole wanted these people to stay here and vote Democrat. But I raised the question when it happened, okay, what next? I remember we did a call in the day that DACA was upheld and a young woman who was a local community college student called in and said, hey, DACA was the best thing that ever happened to me. I've been kind of skirting back and forth in the shadows. I didn't know where if I signed up for something to get this kind of protection or whatever, if it was going to wind up with me, the threat is you're going to get sent home, you're going to get deported, you're going to be kicked out of the country, you're going to jail. DACA basically said, if you came here with your mom and dad, you can stay here. We'll give you a two-year renewable, they called it a shield from deportation, and go live your best life. I mean, one of the guys who qualified as a DACA wound up becoming student body president at UC Berkeley, for crying out loud. A lot of college graduates, high school graduates, you know, hardworking people. This is not the, oh, well, it's another drain on the welfare state type of thing. But the problem with it was the DACA case did not go far enough. If you're going to deal with these young people who came here and they did not have any say in coming here, they didn't know that their family was coming here illegally. What are you going to do with and for them? Well, all you have to do is say, pathway to citizenship. And the right, the fundamental right goes, oh, that's asylum. We can't do that. We can't afford that. We're bursting at the seams right now. And then the leftists say, you call yourself a Christian and you don't want these poor, innocent children, et cetera, et cetera. Well, everybody knows that nobody's that way. I saw a comedian the other day. It was on uh, Jeff Kinley, liked this on his uh, Instagram reel, and I, it just made me laugh. It was a guy who says, Okay, yeah, I believe in conspiracy theories because you expect the government, who's in charge of 330 million people, to never lie to you? And then he looked at the audience. He goes, I'm a father. I have one son, and I lie to him all the time. I mean, <laughs> you know, that, that's kind of the issue. But what DACA basically told everybody was Hey, if you came here illegally because your parents brought you here when you were two and three, Every two years, you could re-sign up and we promise not to send you home. But it doesn't put you on a pathway to citizenship. And it doesn't even put you in legal resident status. Now, this young woman that I spoke with on the Bottom Line show years ago said it helped her because she knew where she stood. She wasn't constantly looking over her shoulder. But when the president passed DACA in 2012, he bypassed Congress. So nine Republican-led states have asked the court to phase out the program over the next two years, and then they said the Biden administration's revised version is, quote, substantively unlawful for the same reasons that the Obama was. Around 800,000 individuals are believed to be recipients of DACA. Two-thirds of those enrolled in the program are between the ages of 21 and 30. They've lived and worked in the U.S. for most of their lives, even though they entered the country illegally, though they didn't know. The plaintiff states in this case are concerned that having the DACA's still here, the DREAMers, if they will, will include hundreds of millions of dollars for health care, hundreds of millions of dollars for em- immigration. And then they show up here illegally, but they can stay here without any sort of real legal status. Um, in 2021, a judge appointed this case, Andrew Hannon took a look at this initially and said, I'm going to rule against it. Now here in 2023, he affirmed it. So what's a Christian response to the DACA case getting thrown out? We'll take a look at that coming up next as The Bottom Line continues. Welcome back to this Everyone Wednesday edition of The Bottom Line show. I'm Roger Marsh. You've got a couple moments left to get your call in for the... um, the giveaway of the book, The Babylon Bee Guide to Gender. And my thanks again to Kyle Mann, the editor-in-chief of The Babylon Bee, for joining me for the past half hour to talk about the idiosyncrasies of the gender dysphoria debate. Not one, not two, but three copies to give away at 800-227-5278, 800-227-5278, 800-227-5278, the number to get you through to the bottom line. Judge Andrew Hannon who was appointed by George W. Bush, and keep your, in case you're keeping score at home, uh, declared DACA illegal in 2021. He said its lack of compliance with required public notice and comments periods didn't happen. So of course that was appealed by the government and the Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals uh, said they were gonna uphold that decision. That took place in 2022. So trying to address those concerns, President Biden announced the renewal of DACA in August, 2022, and he made it a federal regulation went into effect last October, subject to public comments and a formal rulemaking process and erasing the memo from President Obama that just kind of made it happen without going through Congress. It's interesting to see that now the judge is saying that even though the DHS had established or had the guidelines established by DACA, it never was any real law. It was a memo from the Obama administration. It's like with the funding of transgender bathrooms and locker rooms in public schools. People don't know that that actually wasn't a law from the federal government. Where that started was the federal government guidelines for how to use money that came from federal programs for school lunches. And oh, by the way, if your cafeteria is not accommodating any of the transgender students there, self-identified, you won't get funding. But here's the thing with DACA I think that we could all learn from. I mean, this is the common ground part. The common ground part is that people still want to come to America. As much as the left would like you to believe that America is some hellhole that no one would ever want to live to, the number of people trying to get here legally or illegally is at an all-time high. So this is a desirable, desirable place to be, number one. Number two, President Obama put DACA together on a napkin during his re-election bill of 2012 It didn't go through Congress. It was never officially voted on. He basically sent this memorandum to the Department of Homeland Security and said, here's how we're going to handle this. That's not legal. So I believe that Judge Hannon ruled correctly in this case. But now the next step is, is anyone going to take on the issue of the fact that there are 800,000 people that are accounted for, and probably hundreds of thousands of more than are not, they were brought here by their parents in illegal immigration stings, have lived their whole lives thinking they're American citizens, and now we're still not answering that question for them? Once you give your heart to Jesus Christ, you become a citizen of heaven. Full stop. You're a resident of earth until you won't be but you know exactly where your citizenship actually lies. We owe it to the citizens and the residents of the United States of America to be more clear as to let them know where they stand or don't and how they can improve their status if they so choose. That is the good news and that's the bottom line. KCBC audience, Rabbi Schneider's up next for you in discovering the Jewish Jesus. Hope we'll join you again tomorrow at 3.30. For those who remain on the network, a tale of two school districts, a tale of two judges, And more on this gender dysphoria issue, where the ruling is clear as mud. It's coming up next as The Bottom Line continues. My thanks again to Kyle Mann for joining us today here on The Bottom Line Show to talk about the brand new book called The Babylon Bee Guide to Gender, the comprehensive handbook to men, women, and millions of new genders that we just made up. It it is satire. But there's a lot of truth to it, and I encourage you to uh, check it out. As a matter of fact, we've got not one, not two, but three copies of this book we're giving away today here on Everyone Wednesday. 800 227 5278, 800 227 5278, 800 227 5278, the number to get you through to the bottom line. Uh, you know, it's interesting. To think, I mean, there's so much talk about this you know, transgender stuff. I remember back in 2015. When the Obergefell decision was handed down by the Supreme Court, that basically affected it didn't, quote unquote, legalize same sex, quote unquote, marriage. What it did was the Obergefell decision involved a couple of women who had gotten, quote unquote, married. They lived in Massachusetts or something like that, in a state that actually recognized that. And they had a legal partnership, and one of the women worked for, um, I think, the federal government. And when she passed away, There were benefits that would have gone to a spouse that this surviving member of the partnership was asking for. And the federal government said, no, you can't have that because those are only benefits available for spouses. See, it's never, you know, when people look at these issues, please understand sometimes we go chasing after rainbows or windmills or whatever, trying to fight battles. The enemy does not come in and say, we are going to force same sex marriage onto the uh, society here. They never do that. They look for a way to say if we rule this way on this case, that then opens the door for um, the legalization of this or the recognition of this legally. Now, understand that on 24th of June 2022, the Supreme Court actually ruled in another controversial issue of that, of course, being abortion, and the Dobbs versus Jackson case out of Mississippi, which ironically didn't really go that far in terms of banning abortions um, post-first trimester, that was about it, 15-week abortion ban. Most people who are pro-life would say wouldn't want a 15-week. I've talked to a number of people who are pro-abortion who say, look, you should, I mean, why not make abortion legal in the moment when someone finds out it?" so you know, eight weeks or whatever, when they find out they're pregnant, you've got a window of two weeks to make your decision and that's it. I mean, these are people who support abortion who are saying we would ban it after the first trimester, which is technically 13 weeks. So the idea that the abortion advocates are running around saying, well, you can't do that. Women will die, et cetera, et cetera, just isn't true. That's another progressive fairy tale. But I remember when the Obergefell decision was handed down and basically Obergefell was declared the winner and so she was able to get the benefits that her uh, long-term companion had been receiving from the government. And that's what the Supreme Court then used to usher in uh, legalizing same-sex marriage. Remember that the reason why the Dobbs versus Jackson case led to the overturning of Roe versus Wade and people started to panic is there is no federal law requiring abortion be legal in all 50 states. That's a state's issue. 25 American states plus the District of Columbia have legalized abortion in some way, shape, or form. Many of them have legalized it all the way up through labor and delivery. But Roe versus Wade was the Supreme Court ruling that the left used to not pass any legislation. So that's why they're going in all out on these, uh, you know, uh, you watch. Next year during the election, President Biden will try to do everything he can to sign a bill that legalizes abortion on a federal level. But when it, I, the question then of 2015 was, what next? What's going to happen next? And I remember very somewhat naively saying, well, I guess now it's transgender time. The Obama administration had been laying all sorts of uh, minefields and booby traps with regard to that and uh, whether or not that was going to be an issue. And sure enough, here we are eight years later. Everyone's talking about it. And it's not just school districts, but that's where the war is being fought And that's where the battles are being fought. And so it's interesting, our friends at the Liberty Council have a couple of different cases in the People's Republic of California that kind of underscore what's going on. Basically, the short version of what's happening with these gender dysphoria cases and transgenderism among public school students is that uh, public school teachers have been instructed by their districts, by their unions, to start incorporating more LGBTQ-friendly curricula into the curriculum and inc- really put a heavy dose of transgenderism. The left has figured out that if you talk about it enough, if you show image of it or not, if you have hot TV shows on Netflix that all the kids are watching um, that, that, you know, have at least one transgender character on it, some girl who decides she wants to be a boy or some boy who wants to be a girl, um, then, then basically the more you push this, the more you can influence kids. And the studies are bearing it out. The vast majority of children now who are pursuing transgenderism are doing so because of social media influence and not because of some hormonal imbalance. We know there are people who are born with chromosomal issues that uh, sometimes it's a genitalia issue. It's extremely rare when that kind of stuff happens, but that does in fact happen. And oftentimes progressives try to hide behind that. But they're making a full court press To try to get kids who have been considering whether or not they want to, I don't know, go under the knife, as it were. A lot of it is just happening because of peer pressure. The statistic I read the other day, in 2018, there were 4,000 kids who had some kind of gender reassignment surgery, basically mutilating their bodies to try to look like the other gender. The following year, that had increased by 400%. It was almost 20,000 kids, nearly 500%, who'd had some kind of surgery. And more and more school districts are doing what they can ostensibly to, quote, unquote, help these families. Kid says, I think I'm transgender. So what do they do? Well, the left is always doing this. Let's protect the children at home. Let's keep them from those evil parents who don't know, they don't want anything for their children. As far as good and goodness, what they want is uh, they they want to harm these poor transgender children. If you have seen the number of pieces of legislation that have been enacted here in the People's Republic of California with regard to uh, uh, the sinister laws that have been passed of late. I remember we were working with a group called Camp Allendale years ago. This is a group that takes kids in foster care and gives them a meaningful camp experience. And I remember talking to the director, Matt Pritchett, of Camp Allendale. We were talking about a bill that had passed in California that said, if a child is in foster care, they have kind of a, uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for, a, a no conversion therapy uh, allotment for kids who are in foster care who think they might be transgender. And Matt blew a gasket. He said, you've got to be kidding me. I said, what do you mean? He said, I'll tell you what I mean. Do you know how high the incidences of gender dysphoria are among kids in foster care? Do you know how many kids are sexually abused so badly that that's why they wind up in foster care? And now you're telling me that a kid who's been abused since age six, seven, eight, nine, Who's got major gender dysphoria and is being told, well, if you feel like, you know, you're a girl, you should be a girl. And now you're telling the foster parents they can't counsel that kid against those feelings. They can't tell them, hey, if you don't want those feelings, we can help you get counseling. We're just telling them they're sentenced to that. And the foster parents have no say and the adoptive parents have no say. And if the biological parents get their act together and can get back in the kids' lives, they don't have any say. No, it's amazing to me to see how many people find themselves in this predicament of not realizing that the laws go a certain way. And the place where the kids spend almost all of their hours, waking hours when they're not at home, which is school, is the place where the kids are just getting hammered with this indoctrination, guidance counselors, LGBT pride months. You're eight hours a day at school, and now they want to pass laws that make it impossible for parents to know if a kid. There was a woman who went to the Chino Valley School Board a month or so ago and said, my daughter was transitioned. She now identifies as a boy. The district did this, and I had no idea. There was a young girl in school in Florida. I I use her example often, a sixth grader who thought she was a boy. She was identifying as a boy. The reason she did was because she liked to hang out with the guys at her school and play video games and write skateboards. And one of her girlfriends said, you ever thought you might be a guy? And she goes, well, I don't know. Maybe I am. I should go talk to my guidance counselor. So she went to school, sixth grader. Her parents were strict Catholic, and she was afraid if I brought this home to them, they would never know. Then she goes in and gets eight months of one-on-one counseling with a gay counselor who's office is a shrine to all things lgbtq activism. And the counselor says, "Oh, I'll start referring to you as but with male, we'll come up with a guy's name for you. What guy's name do you want? I'll call you by that." This girl is going in and getting indoctrinated by this woman whom she trusts. Calling her, "Hey bro, how's it going, dude," and that type of stuff. Well, the teacher started doing it, the counselor started doing it at school, on the playground, see him in the hallways and stuff like that. And now the girl secret was revealed. She was embarrassed. Her friends started teasing her. So she became suicidal. It was after not her first, but her second suicide attempt that the school called her parents and said, we've got a problem. You need to do something about your daughter. She almost killed herself twice on school grounds. And as the parents began to dig through and find out what was going on, Oh, my heavens. What did Jesus say about millstones around the neck of people who lead children astray? Well, here in the People's Republic of California, we have two court rulings that are going in the opposite direction regarding this whole gender secrecy thing. I'm going to share those stories with you on the other side of this break just to show you how weird this situation is. Coming up next as the bottom line continues. 800-696-9970 or visit kbrightradiocom slash Financial and ask about Dennis Wilson's exclusive real estate backed six percent investment account. Wilson Financial Services for simply better alternatives. Welcome back to this Everyone Wednesday edition of the Bottom Line Show. I'm Roger Marsh. The uh, conversation I had earlier with Kyle Mann, the editor in chief of the Babylon Bee, uh, got me thinking. The book, by the way, is called The Babylon Bee Guide to Gender comprehensive handbook for men, women, and millions of new gener- genders, rather, we just made up. There's a link for this up at the Show.com. We have not one, not two, but three copies of the book we're giving away today here on Everyone Wednesday, but when you call Crystal, if you don't win that, you'll win something. 800-227-5278, 800-227-5278, 800-227-5278, the number to get you through to the bottom line. Kids are being indoctrinated in schools, and we've got one case in San Diego and another one in San Bernardino County that really just kind of underscore where we are in this whole battle. The good news is a federal district judge ruled in favor of two Christian teachers in San Diego Unified School District. They temporarily blocked the district, it's Escondido Unified, uh, the policy that teachers have to basically lie to parents and hide their students' gender confusion. Now, here's the uh, U.S. District Judge Roger Benitez issued a preliminary injunction that protects two Christian school teachers who said the secrecy policy isn't right. The teachers argued that the policy infringed on their First Amendment free speech and free exercise of religion, and if they were to comply and be dishonest with the parents, it would violate their sincerely held religious beliefs. Now, the teachers had petitioned the court to strike down the policy, But the injunction was basically pretty narrowly tailored just to apply to those two teachers. But the judge did in fact say that the secrecy policy appears to undermine constitutional rights, calling it I mean, he's only ruling in favor of these two teachers, but he called this a trifecta of harm. Here's a quote from Judge Roger Benitez in the Escondido Unified case. Quote, it harms the child who needs parental guidance and possibly mental health interventions to determine if the incongruence is organic or whether it's a result of bullying, peer pressure, or a fleeting impulse. Oh my goodness, thank you, Judge Benitez. If the child needs a possible mental health intervention, to determine, he refers to this as an incongruence of them looking at their body, knowing what their gender is, and then feeling that they are somehow the opposite. But he said whether this is a result of bullying, maybe a sexual assault, maybe it's peer pressure, or maybe, just maybe, a fleeting impulse. There was a study that was done about 15 years ago And I'm sure the attitudes have changed since then. But the question was with regard to kids who identified as, they were same-sex attracted or possibly even transgender. And the the statistic was something like, of kids who had a same-sex attraction when they were in high school, 8th, 9th, 10th grade, 94% of them, quote unquote, got over it. It was one of those fleeting things. It was one of those, I don't know what came over me. There were 6% of the kids who acted on it and perhaps pursued same-sex relationships. But the idea that somebody might have been bullied into it, somebody might experience peer pressure into that, or it was just a fleeting impulse. But then he says, not only does it harm the child, it harms the parents by depriving them of the long-recognized 14th Amendment right to care, guide, and make health care decisions for their children. And then finally, it harms the plaintiffs. Who are compelled to violate the parents' rights by forcing plaintiffs to conceal information they feel is critical for the welfare of their students. Now, put it this way. Remember Gabriel Fernandez, the story out of LA? This is a boy. He had two brothers, an older and a younger. And of course, I have a soft spot for middle children as a middle child myself. But Gabriel's mom had had a problem with the law. She, Mom and dad weren't together, Mom had a new boyfriend and the boyfriend was abusive. Mom was released from prison and some well-meaning public defender said, you do realize that the state has resources. If you want a custody of your kids again, uh, you can, you know, get some health and food and you know, whatever money from the state. So she went ahead and did it. I don't know how much the boys benefited from it, but the boyfriend decided that he thought Gabriel was too effeminate and was gay. And so he used to routinely beat that child. Gabriel went to school with bruises on his body, sometimes a broken bone or two, a black eye. Sometimes he would get sent to school in girls' clothing, and the teachers would help him change. He was obviously uncomfortable about it. He finally showed up for picture day with two shiners, and teachers were reaching out and saying, hey, look, we've seen this on here. We have to report this. Of course they had to report this. Why? Because the child's well-being was at risk. So the idea that the California Teachers Association apparently is behind this thing in public schools, and if you're a Christian and you're being governed by these people, how do you handle it? What do you what are you able to do? A boy comes into your classroom and says, Call me Denise or whatever, and I might wear a skirt tomorrow, I don't know. And let me go work out with the girls of the P E class and let me go shower in the locker room with them? And you are not only supposed to encourage that type of behavior from this boy, but not tell his parents he's doing it. That just doesn't seem right. So Escondido Unified, two teachers have spoken up and they have a temporary restraining order that says they don't have to comply with this mandate. And I'm hoping that the way Judge Benitez wrote this uh, decision will actually eventually turn into a legal victory for all children who are dealing with gender dysphoria, and the left always goes to the extreme. Well, you know what's going to happen. They're going to commit suicide. They all commit suicide. Everybody commits suicide if they're if they're if they're in uh, this kind of situation. The number of kids who face gender dysphoria do rival those of ordinary high school kids going through just adolescence in terms of thoughts of suicide. But if you check the number of kids who actually go through with it and then check the number of people who wind up committing suicide after gender reassignment surgery, it's a whole different ball game. So when the left says a woman who can't get an abortion is going to die because she's not getting health care, they're lying. And when the left says a child who has gender dysphoria and wants to be identified as transgender and is not allowed to is also going to die, that... Mm chances are there are more things at play than just the fact that they couldn't change their gender. Now, while there was a victory in Escondido Unified School District, you hop up the freeway a piece and Chino Valley Unified School District, San Bernardino Superior Court, which is a state court, has blocked a new policy of notifying parents if students wish to be known by a different gender or to change their pronouns. So why did Escondido get a win and Chino Valley did not get a win? Well, that remains to be seen. The court stated that the school district already had leeway to keep parents informed about their children, so they didn't need this new policy. The lawsuit, by the way, in Chino Valley, was from the California Attorney General. He says that this is a forced outing policy. So, stop me if you've heard this one before i was just backing on this poor guy a couple days ago here he is again if the child says i want to live as a transgender student on school with two thousand other kids around that's okay but if the child is being forced to notify his or her parents that he wants to change gender identity that's a forced outing you see the double standard there with the progressives why would one be any worse for the other? Well, you know, Roger, what if there's a boyfriend at home with the mom's who's living with this guy and he might wind up uh, beating the kid up because of whatever? Did it ever occur to anybody on the left that maybe part of the reason why this child is experiencing gender dysphoria is because of that situation in the first place and that coming around is not going to help out? Uh, there are six other California school districts that have now enacted a policy similar to Chino Valley. Uh, Temecula, Marietta, Rockland, Dry Creek Unified District, uh, Anderson Union High School, and good old Orange Unified. Yeah, my mom taught in Orange Unified for 26 years. And they have a policy that says, remember, we talked about it a couple weeks ago, if a child identifies as transgender, parents must be notified. But how widespread is this? How many policies with regard to gender related behavior? are doing this secrecy policy and keeping parents in the dark. When you find out, you'll be shocked. That's coming up next as the bottom line continues. Preborn is saving lives by doing what the left doesn't want you to know about. Progressives don't want you to know that a baby once conceived in the womb is a human being. And the proof that we have is four dimensional ultrasound technology that you can get for free at Preborn. The reason Preborn can offer these ultrasound appointments is because people like you make donations and uh, they're tax deductible, and they provide not only the necessary appointments for the expected moms, but also making large donations that will provide ultrasound machines for each of these organizations as well. Eight three three eight five zero baby is the number to call. It's really easy to remember. Eight three three eight five zero B A B Y, or if you want to do the numbers, it's eight three. Three eight five zero two 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 nine. Your $28 donation right now will save one baby's life. A uh, $140 donation does five, 280 does 10. You can also give a recurring monthly gift like Lisa and I do, maybe $28 a month or $56 a month, $100 a month, whatever you and God decide. Make your best donation today and please know it's completely tax deductible and every dollar you donate to pre-born goes to the ultrasounds. 833-850-BABY, 833-850-2229, or go online to kbrightradio.com and click the Preborn banner today. Welcome back to this uh, powerful conversation about gender dysphoria and kids today here on The Bottom Line. It all got the ball rolling with uh, Kyle Mann and my conversation, Kyle, the editor-in-chief of The Babylon Bee. The new Babylon Bee book is up at thebottomlineshow.com. It's a satirical look at the case of gender dysphoria, The Babylon Bee Guide to Gender. But there are some serious repercussions going on here. And while we are cheering, Judge Robert, ben- Robert Benitez in San Diego, ruling in favor of two teachers in Escadino Unified School District, saying, we will not not tell parents if a child of ours in classroom comes to us and says, I want to be identified as transgender. We will tell the parents. That's our job. And these are Christian teachers who are doing it and good on both of them. But what's interesting is that San Bernardino Superior Court, the state court has now blocked the new policy in Chino Valley Unified School District. And the reason they're doing it, it's a lawsuit brought by the state of California. Rob Bonta, our attorney general, says that you're forced forcing the outing of students and that's not right. But what's interesting is the judge's ruling was, well, they already have a policy about parental consent, so they don't need a new one kind of puss-a-footing around. Here's the, what the court wrote. Without the policy, schools could still disclose a student's gender identity to their parents, even without the student's consent, if there was a compelling need to protect the student's well-being. Conversely, forcing disclosure risks breaching the duty of care CVCUSD owes to its students. In other words, we don't want to get sued. But how common is this practice of gender secrecy when it comes to kids? There's a group called Parents Defending Education. They are a group that identifies themselves as a grassroots organization promoting non-political education in public classrooms. The number of school districts in the U.S. that have adopted secrecy policies to keep parents in the dark, 1,044 school districts. The number of students involved, well, 18,000 schools and nearly 11 million children enrolled. That's one out of every seven children in America right now. If every child in America went to public school, one in seven goes to a school where if that child said, I want to identify as the other gender, parents would be powerless to stop. 37 different states. Have gender secrecy laws now. Why are the uh, the let's see, UTLA, the uh, uh, Union of Teachers of Los Angeles. Why is the California uh, National Association of Educators, uh, California Faculty. So why are all of these California Teachers Association that sort of thing. Why are all these unions so hot to trot to keep gender dysphoria in the forefront? Well, I'll tell you why. Starts with an M, ends with a Y. And M-O-N-E-Y, the earlier they can get kids on these cross-sex hormones, the longer they will be patients of the doctors. This is a very lucrative business for the medical industry, as evidenced by the fact that the number of gender reassignment surgeries has gone up by almost 500% in a little over a year. And once these kids have these reassignment surgeries, they have to take cross-sex hormones for the rest of their lives. And do you know why? It's because their bodies do not naturally produce the hormones that they need that make them either male or female. If a boy says, I'm a girl, and they have surgery to try to make his body look like a girl, they have to keep pumping estrogen in. You know why? Because God didn't give him enough to make him a woman. Will we protect our children? Will we fight for our children? The need is there. The enemy is roaring like a lion, but fortunately the lion of Judah will put him in his place. That is the good news, and that's the bottom line.